Hello there and welcome to Trope on a Rope, the show where we discuss, dissect, contrast and compare the tropes that have come to define cinema and see which ones are raised at the flagpole for all to salute and which are hoisted by their own baton. Since the world began, we've kind of been obsessed with the idea of it ending. And though there are a myriad of ways to usher in the end of days, none of them are quite as dramatic as Death from Above in the form of the meteor slash comet impact movie. And the cosmic existential mindfuck that for all of our history and advances, we can do fuck all to stop it. Sometimes, as in last week's Don't Look Up, it's a metaphor for something happening in the real world. Other times, like this time, it's just a big fucking space rock. My name's Jeff, and I'm joined by Mr. Colin Gerard. Word, bitch. Good evening. And how are you today, sir? Uh, well, it's morning for me, and I'm having. I've had McDonald's coffee. And I'm currently having an off-brand energy drink. I'm on the. Uh, I'm on the standard podcast making grapefruit chew high. Ah, lovely stuff. Well, if we get, it depends how long this takes. Um, I've got three bottles of lovely whiskey in my house at the moment. So because it was just Father's Day, got a load of shit. So you decided you decided to get the the lovely whiskey as opposed to the shit whiskey. Good, good choice. Right, I'm going to launch into the um, the blurb. Deep Impact follows the trope of having the news deliver exposition to its logical conclusion by just having one of the main characters be a fucking newsreader. Turns out that we're one year away before space hits us with its ring hand, and newsreader Teo Leone reads this news to us as a newsreader does, in a film that's a far cry from 1998's other space rock explodegasm Armageddon which, for an impossible two and a half hours, screamed at you whilst waving the American flag in your face as shit blew up around you. This one, on the other hand, has Robert Duvall reading Moby Dick in space. <laughs> That's true. I like Robert Duvall. I, I do like Robert Duvall. He's, uh, I've slight issues with his character and the whole of that arc in this film. But, uh, yeah. What are your initial thoughts? Um, my initial thoughts before I rewatched the movie was that um, Deep Impact is a shit movie. Um, but I actually rewatched it, and I was like, "Oh, pleasantly surprised." It's not as shit as I remember it being. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, what, what I was expecting. I, I remember I had Frodo Baggins in it, mm. but it, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I was not looking forward to watching this film. Um, I thought I remembered mm. everything in it, and I remembered it being boring. Yeah, but actually, I had quite a good time with this. Did I? It's nice to be nice to be pleasantly surprised, isn't it? Yeah, no, I actually did enjoy watching watching this, and I think in the past I have, like, I used to have both this and Armageddon on DVD, and Armageddon is like it has more action in it, but it's hard work. It's exhausting to watch. Yeah, I, I do. I, I I like and hate, not love and hate, like and hate uh, Armageddon. Mm. There are things about it I love, and then. You know, there's the there's the rest of it. I mean, it's long. It's so fucking long. It's two and a half hours, and you get you get to the hour. It's like an hour twenty before they even go to space in that fucking film. Yeah, massive amount of build up. It's kind of obvious in um, Armageddon as well, where they have um, they blow up a city as like a page break. Like they'll have a couple of dialogue scenes and then be like. Right, we have something. Nothing's blown up for about ten minutes. Let's destroy Paris. <laughs> oh, they were fucking around with like the doctor's office and 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 uh, uh, doing tests to go up into space and training to use the machinery and all that kind of bollocks. We've we've spent so long on this. Have you forgotten that there's an asteroid? <laughs> because here's one, and we're going to blow up Paris. By the way, we blow up Paris, so it does get a point for that. <laughs> Deep impact. For what I 
can tell, Paris survives. So, it, minus point. There is, though, I will say, um, it, it has a very TV movie quality to it, this film. It feels like it's made for TV, but it's not. Mm, definitely. I had to look it up because I always thought that it was. I thought it was a TV movie that they punched up in the last minute to make a a movie movie. But no, it was always meant to be a cinema movie. Well, I mean, I know for a fact that I've only ever seen it on TV. I've ne- I never saw it at the cinema. Um, also, most of the acting in this is fucking awful, <laughs> as is the writing. <laughs> There's, it's, it's a little bit hint of melodrama in this film. Hmm. Oh, and the cast, the cast is fucking great. Yeah, and I, I got a massive like a '90s vibe from this, obviously because it was made in the '90s. That pro- probably has something to do, but I think mostly because Taylor Leone. Yeah, fucking hell! Just I'm just looking at the cast list on um, Google at the moment. Elijah Wood, Taylor Leone, Morgan Freeman. John Favreau's in this. <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave. There's a whole bunch of fucking Dugray Scott is in this. I had to pause it because I thought that um, I thought a young Gerard Butler was in this as Taylor Leone's cameraman, but it's not. It's Gerard Butler lookalike Dugray Scott. <laughs> but yeah, there's like a whole. There's a fucking ton of like Star Trek alumni in this. There's fucking Kirkwood Smith. James Cromwell is in this. Who's James Cromwell? James Cromwell is that guy in every film you've ever seen. Right, okay. I definitely know him then. He's he's the senator at the beginning, the one who Taylor goes to interview. Oh, that guy! Oh! That's what, that's what you mean. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Um... So, yeah, uh, Star Trek people, it's got James Cromwell, it's got Kirkwood Smith, and Queen of Star Trek, fucking Denise Crosby's in this fucking film. Cool. Who the fuck is Denise Cromwell? <laughs> is, she, is she the one with the baby? Yeah, she's uh, the mum. Because I know her, yeah, I know her from something. Is it, Do I know her from Star Trek? Yeah, she's in Star Trek um, Next Generation. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I believe she fucks Data. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just working that through my system. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. Which do you think did better? Uh, Armageddon or Deep Impact on Rotten Tomatoes? Where would you guess be? Um, I reckon. Uh, I reckon. Uh, Armageddon. Armageddon wins. Yeah. Not that I agree with it. Armageddon has forty-three percent on. Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, uh, Deep Impact, 45. Oh, that's close, though. Uh, IMDb is the other way around. Uh, Deep Impact, 6.2. Armageddon, 6.7. Huh. Pretty even. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's talk about this fucking film, then. We start, of course, with the discovery. The discovery of the comet. Elijah Wood and his astronomy club find something weird in the sky. Yep. Pretty low-key start to this film, actually. Yeah, it's more more of the the budding romance than the actual discovery of the end of the world. Ah, yes, with his his, um, friend, girlfriend, wife person. Hmm. Which is a bit weird. (laughs) Yeah, so they send it it to um, an astronomer, Dr. Eugene Wolfe. 
Um, I'm going to say his full name because I looked it up. Um, because I think this man needs to be celebrated. Okay, why? Because he has the most pointless death in movie history with zero impact on the story whatsoever. I did not notice him die. His Really? You didn't notice him die? Why? If I did, I don't remember it. His car fucking explodes. Does it? Fuck, I watched this twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, he he's he he spots the thing. He tight Right, for a start, he looks up at the at the comet and he just from one reading of the comet drops his pizza. He types it into the computer and the computer extrapolates which way it's going from one viewing of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming to earth, man. Coming to earth. How the fuck do you know that? I thought I thought you'd needed like at least two or three like shots of it to tell what direction it's going in. I would have gone with three. Though. That's what they call it triangulating. If that's what it, if that's what that means. <laughs> yeah, but no, from just one from one viewing and him typing like one line of code into his computer, he can figure out that it's going to hit the earth. He freaks the fuck out. He puts the information on a. 3.5 inch floppy disk <laughs> because the internet the internet from 1998 isn't working right so he gets, puts it on a floppy disk jumps in a car and fucks off to tell the authorities I did lo- I, I did love the moments where the internet is shown in this movie fucking loved it <laughs> it's like not one pop up <laughs> yeah so this guy he jumps in his jeep is there any of this ringing a bell <laughs> yes it is yeah yeah, he jumps in the jeep and he's driving on these cliff top roads, and then coming in the other direction is a fucking semi truck. Yeah, I, I am. I am recalling that. It keeps cutting to the semi truck like a fucking episode of Casualty, where it's building up towards the accident. <laughs> or nine nine nine. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> oh, let's hope this scaffolding doesn't collapse. Yeah, okay. So this guy, he's smoking whilst driving. He drops the cigarette in his lap, looks down for a second as the other dude is coming around the corner. The scientist goes off the edge of the cliff, the car fucking explodes, and he dies. No reason for it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. so how does everyone else find out about the... They just do, exactly, they just do. Everyone else finds out about it. So there's literally no point in the Frodo finding out about the comet at all anyway, because they found out about it anyway. And yet somehow... But somehow it's still named after him. Yeah, right, right. This is this is my thing. He had that disc, right? He named it Wolf Beaterman. By the way, my for some reason my iPad, I tried to write Wolf Beaterman. I didn't know how to spell Beaterman. Um, so it's auto-corrected it into word into the word butterman, <laughs> which is still not a word. I don't know why it's corrected it into that. He has a disc on him that this 3.5 inch floppy, right? Which which gives which gives which gets destroyed in a fiery, in a fiery fucking jeep. So the disc is in the car. Yeah, and nobody knew he was coming to the place to deliver it in the first place. It's not like he's made a phone call in the first place. Bring us something really important. So it's not like they're looking for him, they're expecting him. Yeah, they still find out about it though. It's still named after the two of them. 
the death has no impact on the story whatsoever. There's no like delay. There's no like, oh, we if only we had found out about it sooner. But sadly, the scientist who was telling us about it died. So we we found out about it like a month later. Yeah. So we don't have time to do anything. No, they're just like, yeah, no, we found out about it anyway. Named it after this guy who f- fucking found it out. Found it out. And yeah. And by the way, we also think Elijah Wood is dead, even though we're fucking we. Like you can count the number of dead bodies you find. Well, they weren't looking for him, so they didn't even find the dead body. And also, like, what did they just pick a name out of a hat? We'll call it Biederman. Well, no, they they say that oh, they, because the president says that they know about the scientists dying and the situation in which they died. Oh, yeah, no, they died in a car crash. So you found the car crash. You found the scientist. You can't count how many dead bodies you find in a car. <laughs> Yeah, okay, it blew up and shit, but I know you can still fucking do that. You can still count how many fucking skeletons you find, you ding-dongs. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, was it, was it, no one was like, who the fuck is this Biederman guy? Is this another scientist? Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, fucking, it, despite, despite the charred remains of this Jeep, this floppy disk is fucking intact. Look at that. <laughs> I wonder what's on it. Anyway, one year later... Teo Leone works as a researcher for MSNBC. Um, He's hungry for a promotion. Yeah, she's looking for a promotion. There's a senator. Qu- there's a senator quitting, and she thinks it's about he's he's fucking someone called Ellie. Called Ellie. Yeah, she, she's going around and she's getting like she's talking to assistants and shit and finding out about this person called Ellie. And then she decides to just rock up at his boat. Very very reportorial. I think that's a word. She goes to see him at the boat, takes a cameraman with her. The cameraman does nothing. <laughs> he's just there for moral support. He's, yeah, he's just <laughs> moral support. He keeps putting the camera on, and then the dude goes, no, turn that off. And he just goes, okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> it happens twice in this fucking scene, where she goes, right, fucking start recording. He presses record, and then the dude goes, no, stop that. And he goes, okay. <laughs> Best fucking cameraman ever. Best cameraman ever. Not even like just like um, I'll turn it on, but I'll just hold it down here, <laughs> or just get the get the the audio only. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he also he doesn't want his kid um, his kid to be present, so he tells his kid to get back to the house, and she just doesn't. She just stands there and listens to this whole conversation. I love I love the fact that the two times Taylor Leone like interacts with uh, like. Uh, uh, White House people at the beginning. Mm. First time with the senator on the boat is a massive misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> she, she's talking about El- <laughs> she's talking about Ellie, and he's all like, "How dare he? I I want to look after my kids and just be with them. This is bigger than you. Like, what you fucked some chick called Ellie? And okay, well I'll shut up and let you tell me all of the information. Yeah, he calls it the biggest the biggest story in history, and she's just like, fuck it, you think a lot of yourself, don't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and she she sat in her car, she's talking into her dick's phone, and she's just like, biggest story in history, fuck it. <gasps> Unless it's the president who's getting some on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, the president's trying to fuck, it, fuck someone. And that's when she gets um, kidnapped by the FBI. And yet again, she has another conversation with the president. And this time, she still has no idea what the fuck is going on. She's bluffing the fuck out of this. Yeah, but she does a hell of a good job. It's like, uh, so, 
what can you tell me about Ellie? And he's just like, fucking hell, how do you know about the E-L-E? Yeah, he says E-L-E. And no one just goes, did she just say fucking Ellie instead of E-L-E? Maybe she doesn't fucking know what this is about. Two massive misunderstandings and she gets promoted to an anchor. Brilliant. Good job. Yeah, so she meets President Freeman in a fucking soup kitchen for some reason. Um, and I assume, all the, I, I, I assume all the metal in the vicinity kind of stops people from like listening in, like wearing a tinfoil hat on your head. She's bluffing the fuck out of this. And he's going, all right, okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, we're going to have a press conference in a couple of days because we can't really hide this anymore. You can come to the press conference and you can have a seat at the front and the first question. And she's like, all right, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, I want exclusivity. <laughs> yeah, she does push it a little bit too much. There's a couple of things before we move on. One, James Cromwell, the senator at the beginning, has the one of the best lines in the film where he goes... I know you're a reporter, but you used to be a person, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. <laughs> That's a good line. Um, Taylor Leone in the soup kitchen. She's uh, the white. Um, the president's um, advisor goes. You know, we managed to keep the. Um, they managed to keep the Manhattan Project a secret. I don't know why she says this, but she just goes. Well, that was just the development of the nuclear bomb. Yeah, just, <laughs> just. <laughs> Yeah, the the fucking nuclear bomb. That's his fucking point. Was she was she being sarcastic? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like what a fucking dumb response. I don't. I, I didn't think that Americans in 1998 knew what sarcasm was. Yeah. Um, the only other bit that I wanted to mention was on the docks. She spots that um, uh, senator. He's got these pallets of cans. Okay. Of, he's got pallets of food and shit, so he's got rash, uh, uh, rations to take on the boat, right? She spots that and goes, hmm, that's a bit weird. But then in the kitchen, she also sees that, like big pallets of food. And she's like, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're in a kitchen. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. You're, uh, you're, way, just... you're a little bit too curious. <laughs> um oh fuck i love this film um <laughs> yeah but i do i do love the fact that in that one scene with morgan freeman he's both very presidential and also very spill the beansy he just like in the mention of ellie something very ambiguous that like, she doesn't even name correctly he just gives up all the information but at the same time as soon as he goes i want this want yeah i'm sorry i mean may i have that's more fucking like it I'm a president, motherfucker. Also, in that meeting, he also spills the beans that he's spent. They've they've spent too much money. Yeah, the budget, which in of itself is a story. <laughs> She's got two massive stories. She's got two massive stories, right? So you're fucking someone called Ellie. I still think, <laughs> and you spent a shitload of money. And also, you spent way too much, way too much because you're fucking Ellie. <laughs> So, Taylor she goes back to her office, and as you mentioned earlier, she does some 90s internet searching. This is back when the internet was like five websites max. And she finds all five of them. Like, for a start, I don't think some of her web her searching like made logical sense. I do like the fact that get, she types in e.l.e, and it comes up with about five options. And she goes, paleontology, something else, something else, something else, extinction. I'm just going to go straight for extension. 
fuck those first four options. Her movements around the internet don't make sense because, yeah, she does skip the first three and just go to the bottom one. <laughs> so uh, she has to go for a meeting with her father and his new wife. Yeah, that's her thing, um, but it's not important. Um, but she gets she gets drunk because she's just figured out that the world's going to end because she's finally realised what this story's about. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, like, to, to, to be honest, when I first met the, when when you first met the father, I thought that maybe he just divorced the wife and had got a new uh, younger wife. But it, I think maybe I'm wrong. But I think maybe he kind of abandoned her since she was like seven years old and has just popped back up into her life. Yeah, no, I don't get the dynamic with these with these people. It's um, where are we? The press conference. Yeah, where she turns up random, doesn't tell any of her coworkers she's been given this uh, this uh, position. <laughs> kind of, t- <laughs> you think she tells someone? Like it's two. Is it two weeks later? No, two days later. Yeah, I'm assuming she still works. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't tell anyone. She does get bollocks for that later though. But yeah, a little bit bollocked. Just the the biggest bullet was you've got a promotion. Don't hide any secrets from me again. Yeah, this one got me a promotion. So uh, this this press conference seems like it goes on for fucking ever. Yeah, it's really, 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 really long. But I did check; it's only five minutes. It's because people are saying big words. There's a lot. A lot of the exposition in this film is done through press conferences or news. And the only exposition, really, apart from when it jumps to Elijah Wood. Yeah. And the space, whatever bollocks is going on in space, it's mostly just like a twenty-four hour news channel. This film, yeah. The, 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 one of the main problems I have with this movie is that there are a lot of characters. Yeah, like <laughs> even like Frodo is supposed to be the main character. You barely see him in the movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It starts with him. It mm, vaguely ends with now ends with the president, I suppose. Yeah, rebuilding the White House, but like all of them, you never get really a massive reason to like any of them too much yeah but you, you get you but you get just enough of a story of frodo's storyline where you can't you kind of rooting for him and you get just enough of a story taylioni where you're kind of rooting for her but nothing like nothing too deep where you actually give a fuck about him like if taylioni died i would have been like i wouldn't have been like ah oh, taylioni died i'd be like oh that's another thing that happened in the movie um yeah, no, there's, it is kind of like a trope of these um, uh, end-of-the-world disaster movies where they do have way too many characters. Which is why I like Greenland, actually, because Greenland didn't do that. Greenland kind of really focused on that one family a lot. Even Armageddon has kind of a focus because it's focused on the main group of people. Yeah, which is uh, maybe that's why I liked that one more back in the day because you did, you did get more of an t- attachment to the characters. Like Roland Emmerich disaster films, those have like this huge casts that are spread like fucking everywhere. Like Independence Day, you've got the president, you've got Will Smith's um, wife and kids, and then you have yeah his wife and kids who are separate people. You have the president, the president's wife. Yeah, you have um, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum's wife. That's like six people already, and you're all following these different characters because then you got the you got the you got the trailer park guys there's the guy that actually flies the in. trailer park guy yeah you got, you got the trailer park guy that flies into the airplane you got his son yeah you, you got lots of little bits of like at least in independence day you've got a massive amount of will smith and a massive amount of uh, jeff goldblum so you kind of had a focus 
This one is a little bit spread thin. They're trying to give everyone the limelight because they're all kind of high-level actors. Don't do that. Yeah, um, the worst is 2012. 2012 is absolute fucking abomination. 2012, which one was that? That's the one uh, about climate change. No, the 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 world just starts going mental for no real reason. I think maybe we talked about this before, and I, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it, or maybe I haven't deleted it from my memory. Can't remember. But there's a huge cast of people. It's got fucking um, the, our main guy. It's got the president. It's got the president's scientific advisor. The president's non-scientific advisor. Ah, I know what I'm thinking of. I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the uh, the day after tomorrow is what I'm thinking of. That's another one. It's got a load yeah. of fucking people in it. Yeah. The day after tomorrow, it's got the main guy, uh, the main scientist guy, um, the people back at the Weather Institute. It's got the main scientist guy's kid um, in New York. Uh, it's got a random fucking nurse in a hospital somewhere. It's got the president. Is John Cusack in that? No, that's 2012. So I have seen 2012. I think I, I think I've kind of splurged those two movies together: 2012 and the day after, the day before, the day after tomorrow. I just remember. I just remember 20. If 2012 is the only thing I remember of it, now that I know John Cusack is in, is in it, is him take, taking an aeroplane down a runway that's kind of falling apart as he's yeah, and then he takes off. That's the only thing I remember about that movie at all. You know why that's the only thing you remember about that movie? Because that happens three times in that film. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Three times. They're in a plane that get it's not going fast enough when it's taking off. It falls out of shot and then comes back up again. Happens three fucking times with bigger planes each time. Alright. Okay. So, <laughs> so I I've remembered the main point of that movie then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um anyway, well, yeah, we're talking about the press conference. Um so <laughs> uh yeah. The president, he's talking about, he's talking, he, well, he basically gives all the, the fucking cliff notes of what the film is about. So we've got this Wolf Butterman um, comments coming. We got about a year and change. It's going to fuck us all up, but, you know, don't all be cunts. Um, but, and we've got, uh, we're, now we're going to have an awkward conversation with um, this crew of space people that we've put together. With one, one old guy and, the, and all the new guys. And everyone, everyone fully respects each other, which is good. Right, these astronauts, Mush, easily the worst fucking characters in this film. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate all of them. The fact that they all die. <laughs> uh, of the, yeah, well, that's that's the redeeming point, though, right? They, beca- they become likable characters by killing themselves for us. So it doesn't <laughs> yeah. really matter what, how shit they were before. Oh, they sacrificed themselves. Now we like them. Except except for uh, Elf, Elf Director. What's his name? John Favreau. John Favreau. John Favreau, he dies before everyone else, so he doesn't even get to be a hero. I love, I love the fact that of uh, like most of them decide to be like heroes and sacrifice themselves. He gets thrown away, and they have this massive thing about Russia and America be have to be like really fucking love each other. So half of the buttons and stuff in the in the spaceship is Russian because it was a collaboration building it. And when John Favreau goes flying off into the night. The only person he's going, we have to save him, is the Russian guy. Thinking about that, if the Russian guy had been lost instead of John Favreau, can everyone else read the keyboards? 
lucky. If they lose their Russian guy, are they fucked? Do they not know how to operate all the stuff anymore? Or if it was the Russian guy that looked into the sun and had his face burned off, he'd be going, it's the one that looks like a saucer holding a ball. <laughs> line, line through. Um, right, they start. They have a fucking uh, little bar. I hate them from the fucking beginning. They have like this barbecue party. Where they're all talking in like space cliches. Yeah. Like one of the one of them, their wife is pregnant, so they're talking about oh, words. Well, so they're talking to the the bump and being like oh, on re-entry, on entering the Earth's atmosphere. And it's like you please don't talk shop all the time. Pushing through the event horizon, if you will, <laughs> will be um, <laughs> fucking out. <laughs> they're a dick to Robert Duvall for no real good reason whatsoever. Yeah, the, the really respected guy who actually went to the moon once. Yeah. They say, they're just jealous of him. They they say they say that um they say that he didn't train for the mission. If that's true, that is a problem. Yeah. That's a very valid valid criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Some old old guy who's like 70 didn't train for the mission. He's probably just gonna die on the takeoff. Yeah, that's a massive oversight if that's true. <laughs> Because um, his part in the mission is really important, right? He's piloting the ship when it's coming up to the comet. Yeah, you could say he's integral. That's that's is one of the most important jobs. Because the other guys, they just fuck off in a little space buggy, floaty thing, and jump up and down on a missile. <laughs> <laughs> um, the mission itself, the mission. Oh, for fuck's sake, this mission. For a start, it's explained to us by the worst newsreader ever. Taylor Yoni. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not think her newsreading is shit? Yeah, because it, it sounds like she's reading, <laughs> which is what not <laughs> which is what a newsreader's not supposed to do. That's the only the only job they have is to read things, but sound like they're not reading them. Like she's fine in the rest of the film. She does one of the more likable characters in this film. But whenever she's reading the news, I can't fucking stand it. <laughs> My worst part is where she's like, um, and they will be going into the into space, comma, um, double space. <laughs> and like when there's like a twenty second delay, she she keeps explaining the twenty second delay. <laughs> yeah, again, really. when the screen goes to static, she's just like, I'm just gonna sit here now. Still not back. They're still they're still not back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She just stops. Yep, they're still not back. <laughs> we know. <laughs> She just stops and just looks at fucking monitors and stuff and just like, aren't you on air right now? Shouldn't you be vamping or something? <laughs> Cut to something. Cut to a commercial woman. Or just say something interesting about one of the one of the astronauts. Did you know that um, Robert Duvall was also in another movie? I mean, sorry. Like, you're on TV watching TV. Yeah. Um, Robert Duvall, he takes over the ship. And, um, oh, yeah, we didn't really mention that they've built this spaceship on the sly. Without anyone noticing. Between yeah, Russia and uh, America have collaborated to build it, right? Yeah. Which is why it has Russian buttons, but an American body. And they've called it the Messiah, which is very fucking on the nose, but never mind. Yep. He he takes Robert Duvall takes over the ship and he gives this speech about riverboat captains or something. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. It has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> he gets on with it. Everyone just goes, that's a nice combination of words thank you very much they come up i've I've put it in speech speech marks here they come up behind the comet um for some reason like they come from the comet at up up against the comet from like the tail end yeah so they went past the comet turned around and came back they must have done and the comet is heading to earth i can only assume they've mm. flown past the comet 
turned around and come back. The tale, the tales of comets aren't behind them. But why are they called? Te- the tales point in the direction away from the sun. Oh, really? Yeah, whatever direction the sun is, the tail points opposite. I did not know that. Ah, I had to look it up. That's why I put it in speech quotation marks behind it. But it's just like you could have picked like any fucking direction to come from this thing, but you've chosen the most difficult. Why is the tail? Oh, because the oh, because it's ice. Comets made of ice. The sun would burn off all of the uh, yeah and blow all it of away. The ice otherwise, so the tail is the part that the sun is shielded from. Oh, sorry, it's shielded from the sun. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Thanks, thanks, chap. Thanks, Jeff. I learned something today. <laughs> if you're not laughing, you're <laughs> learning. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they come from it from the most fucking unnecessarily complicated angle that they possibly could for some reason. Uh, they do tr- drilling just like in fucking Armageddon. The moles. Why do they go so far away from the fucking ship? Yeah, I don't know that. I, yeah. Because, I mean, the ship ends up coming to meet them anyway, so the, the ship could have gone there in the first place and that yeah, possibly would have saved them a shitload of time. So they put, they've got to do this thing before um, the comet rotates. Yeah, in and they get hit in the face with the sun, right? So they land the ship like from the map that they show on screen. They land the ship like the furthest away from daylight that it could be, and then the fucking team gets out of the ship and goes as close as they can to the fucking horizon. There's also quadruple explanation of everything in this during this mission. You can see it happening. Yeah. The Robert Duval in the ship keeps narrating what's happening. The kind of whimsical metaphors. Graphics on screen showing you what's happening. And then there's fucking Teo Leone explaining everything again. With punctuation included. Yeah. Just yeah, no, I can see what's happening. Every single fucking time as well. Iron Man dies. Uh, the uh, the other dude gets blinded because he's look. He, my note here is: other dude gets blinded because he looks directly at sun like a moron. Without putting his fucking visor down. Yeah. Um. They fuck off and the thing explodes. Well, I I like the I like the fact that it, you know it, the the drill gets stuck at seventy five feet. It's got to get a hundred feet down, and his solution is to jump up and down on it. I like the fact that the um that the drills are. About the width of a laptop, <laughs> true. And then this human man wearing a bulky as shit um, spacesuit then climbs down the glides down that little hole, climbs down this hole into a chasm, gets to the actual drill itself, and then jumps up and down on it. And it's like only, like, only like thirty centimeters across. Like the the original, yeah. The original the original solution is well, we need to back it up a bit and then make it go again. And instead of like, he doesn't go down there and try and retract, like pull it out and then put it back in a, a good place. He just goes, oh, it's, it's stuck on this little rock here. I'll jump up and down on it. That'll work. And it does. Yeah. <laughs> so technically, he's right. Um, <laughs> he is the scientist, I guess. Do you see the explosion on screen? Would, uh, no, I don't think you do. Uh, I think maybe it whites out. That's what happens. They, they did the, the, yeah, the explosion for the, the, the big meteor later on. Which is uh, fantastic. Because uh, this happens a couple of times. That instead of um, instead of seeing something interesting happens, happen, it cuts to the president, Morgan Freeman, explaining how shit didn't happen. Yeah. It just cuts like a, a bit of white, white screen and then Morgan Freeman wearing his suit. So we are told uh, it's failed by the president, but he's got a backup plan. 
he, he's got a backup plan in the limestone cliffs of Missouri. Oh, and he's got nukes. They've got nukes. They can, they can try fucking shoot this thing out of the sky, but we have to wait till the last minute to see if that will work. Yeah. So they've had the spaceship, which they built in secret. They've got the limestone cliff um, bunkers, which they've built in secret. And there's going to be a lottery. Mm. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to call bullshit on all of this right now. <laughs> there is no way that they kept any of this secret. No. Not after they found out about the asteroid. For a start... The ship, right, you can see the International Space Station from Earth with a telescope. Yeah. You can see it, especially when it crosses past the moon. You can just see it with your fucking naked eyes sometimes. There is no fucking way that they kept that secret. How many people are involved in making that? How many space launches do you have to do to get all the shit up there? Four. <laughs> Building the ship just on its own, people would have found out about that. There's too many people working on that project. I mean, yeah, they're all scientists. I'm pretty sure they would have worked out about the budget overspending before the, they like projected the. And this is what we spent this year. I'm pretty sure they would have noticed the spending before they actually went, and this is what we spent as well. The cliffs being dug out. Did no one notice this? How many people on an infrastructure project that fucking big? If it was just the if it was just the space station thing only, and they didn't have a backup plan, then maybe I would have thought that they somehow managed to hide it, but. Yeah, digging massive tunnels and bunkers that are never going to get used. Because for for the space thing, right? That's that's all mostly specialized scientists and engineers working on that. You probably can maybe keep that secret ish for a while. But the limestone cliff things, you need fucking truck drivers and blue collar workers to to get rid of all the rubble and all that shit. There's no fucking way that they kept that secret. How many fucking thousands of people would be needed to dig out those tunnels? The tunnels for a million people. But Jeff, how many jobs were created? He's a he's a good president. He's a good president. <laughs> oh yeah, don't get me wrong. As fucking as a person who's making infrastructure pro projects and creating jobs, well done, gold star to you. But there's no fucking way that they kept this secret. Plus, there's a lottery. All the admin that they have to do for the lottery, where <laughs> the in quotation marks lottery, where the people who are pre-selected get a phone call during the announcement for the lottery, and like a, it's also it's such a it's obviously not a fucking lottery as well. Like Biederman gets chosen by the fucking lottery. Oh, what a, what a what a surprise! But the admin fucking involved in getting getting that off the ground. Thousands and thousands of people must have known about all of these three projects, and there's no fucking way that they, or at least one, or at least one of them. There's no fucking way that it was Teo Leone mis mis here misunderstanding a girl's name as initials. Yeah, was the one that fucking cracked this open. No fucking way that they keep this quiet. And also, can I also point out one really really crucial thing? You can see this fucking comet in the sky with the naked eye from the fucking beginning. Yeah, but but, but Jeff, not everyone, not everyone is in, <laughs> is in the astronomy club. Someone else would have fucking noticed this thing. <laughs> There's a team around the clock, a team around the clock with a curtain, just hiding it. So yeah, the lottery. They they do say that people have been pre-selected. The fucking kicker is that they say some people who have been pre-selected are, are over 50. But from the general population, if you're over 50, tough fucking luck. You're not being included. Ah, that's a bit... 
That's a bit rough, isn't it? Fair enough, though. Yeah. If you're only gonna have like, if you're only gonna have like a one million survivors, you want them to be young so they can procreate. So yeah, I'm halfway at the moment. I'm halfway between Logan's Run, Death from Logan's Run, and not being included in the lottery from Deep Impact. <laughs> I mean, that sweet zone in the middle. If I if I was fifty one if I was fifty one watching this, I'd be pretty pissed off. Uh, my sister's 50 this year, so I'm going to tell her that, by the way, uh, if this was the film Deep Impact, you're not eligible for the lottery anymore. <laughs> <laughs> After the lottery gets announced, there's like a little montage where people kind of fucking chill out. Yeah. Sitting around having dinner with their families. It's like a little, little oh, let's accept our fate kind of thing. Uh, Elijah Wood marries his friend. Um, Taylor only fucking reports on shit. Her mum kills herself. Harsh, but true. <laughs> Harsh, but true. President Freeman. President Freeman just sits in his office having a bit of a sulk. Yeah, he seems pretty upset. All of his plans have failed. The astronauts read Moby Dick because they can't be subtle about anything. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish, I wish that Robert, De, uh, not Robert Duvall. Who's the, who's the guy who's uh, blind? Who plays that? I don't know. I only know him from this film. He looks like Zac Efron. If he if he'd said like a, I hate this fucking book. Can you read something like a, the Beano? Yeah, no. It's, it's, if I if that dude just rocked up and went, all right, I'm going to start reading Maybe Dick now. I'd be like, please don't, just leave me alone. It's a really it's a really boring book, and that's when I'm reading it myself. Anyway, the evacuation starts. So Elijah Wood, he's married. He's married his 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 friend wife. His his precious his precious, if you will. His precious, if you will. To get her family into the bunker. But the bus turns up, and they immediately go, no, they're not on the list. Yeah, fuck you, Morgan Freeman. So he gets on the bus, um, and but his friend-wife, his precious, stays behind, and uh, they just fuck off. I'm not sure about his uh, friend-wife's decision there, to be honest. As soon as he gets to the Ark, he goes, I'm not going in, I'm going back to get my friend-wife. And as soon as he meets her, she goes, I'm going to go with you. And both, of the, and both of their parents go, both of their parents go, yeah, you should. Please go. Yeah, so her fucking delayed reaction is the reason why they end up on top of a on top of a cliff. On top of Mount Doom. Lodgewood decides not to go in the ark. His family just accepts this, and the watch he's given to trade is kind of shit. It's just a watch. <laughs> Ter Leone, she may, uh, she sorts out all of her, her dead mum stuff. Later, uh, Ter Leone's dad comes in to explain her how being an orphan works, um, <laughs> as well as how. Ca- <laughs> <laughs> as as well as how cameras work because yeah. she's got all these photos of her and her dad and she's just like why is mum not in any of these she's holding the what do you think they're all on fucking tripods <laughs> you moron yeah we just got passing strangers to take photos of us you know how we've roughly established that your mum's an artist yeah she's holding the fucking camera you ding dong <laughs> which you knew which you knew because she we had to establish you in fact did know you're just being a dick right now yeah because later when you turn up to the beach you say oh yeah no i do remember i remember that day it was a really nice day and I remember that mum was holding a camera which for some reason i'm going to ex- not pretend i didn't <laughs> just being unnecessarily cruel right now just be a dick about because i'm angry <laughs> anyway the missiles remember them in brackets um don't work surprise the fucking prize uh, for the second time in this film, we don't get to see cool space explosions and instead get the president come on and say, sorry, we biffed it, that's it, end of days, motherfuckers. But he says it very eloquently. Gotta love his voice. Um, he declares martial law. I've never been really super clear on what martial law means. Neither have I. I think it means that um, the police can be dicks. We can shoot you if we feel like it. 
It's going to be the end of the world in about two weeks. Um, if you steal anything, we'll kill you. Because A, you're going to die anyway. And B, this shit's not going to be fucking very important very soon anyway. So we'll just, yeah, we'll just kill you. Because it's fun. The astronauts who have done fuck all of this. He's so fucking useless. The thing is, like, they, they've tried. But they they they've they have they've achieved fucking nothing apart from bouncing up and down on a missile. They they're such unnecessary dicks to Robert Duvall at the beginning. So much fucking hubris, and then they go up there and they completely fuck it up on the first go. Like, how long are they up there for? Uh, must be a couple of weeks, eh? Yeah, because after the mission fails, they ju- they don't come back to Earth. They just stay up there. They're sulking. Um, do you know how long it re- takes to read Moby Dick? Yeah, they're up there when um when the nukes hit it. Yep, because it's after the nukes hit it that it cuts back to them, and then they go, "Well, guys, we've been sat we've been sat here next to this comet that we fucking failed Wait, to blow up. We've been I did, sat next to this thing for about two weeks. I didn't think about that. The nukes hit it. Yeah, they survived the nukes then. Yeah. So then. We've been sat next to this thing. By the way, we've got a couple of spare nukes in the back. <laughs> what did you have spare nukes for? Well, I know that fuel is an issue here, but um, and by the way, you're in space. You're not using fuel properly, right? It's motion and inertia. You, you're fucking astronauts. You should have been able to figure this out by now, right? You only have to use it for short bursts and shit like that. You've been up here for like two weeks just next to this space rock of death. You've got spare nukes on the ship. Did you not think to have another go? And, e- and even though even though you spent 90% of your fuel and was unable to use it by doing anything in the first day when you did the mission, you've been up there for another two weeks yeah. with 1% of your fuel perfectly conserving it in, in that time. So now you can still do stuff. So you do know how to conserve it. You were just fucking cunts the first time around. You were fucking morons the first time. By the way, it's your own fault for just walking six miles from the ship to do the mission in the first place, you ding-dongs. Fuck you, John Favreau. They didn't even land... Did they land the ship on the asteroid, or was it just always hovering above, tethered? Because they could have done it directly underneath the ship. Which would have provided a shallow... They're all idiots and they fucking deserve to die. Like, <laughs> they've been up there for so fucking long and they do nothing. To the point, when it cuts back to fucking mission control, dudes are just sat there with their feet up on desk. Yeah, and those two guys run back in going, oh shit, is something happening again? Like, the fact that none of them have just fucked off and gone home. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if that comment from um, the dad from that 70s show was um, was actually... Was he being sarcastic? Was he being jokey? Was he being snarky? I don't know. But he just goes, well, we thought you were just up there doing fuck all for the last two weeks. <laughs> anyway, glad you're back. <laughs> anyway, they decide that they're going to fly the ship in. They've got spare nukes. Again, they've got spare nukes. They could have had another punt. <laughs> they could have just thrown the fucking nukes out the window. They could have flown in front of it and dropped them behind it like fucking mines. But no, they keep them on the ship for some reason. Um, and they, the the plan is to fly into it. And, and also, also they don't have the codes for these nukes. Why don't they have the codes for these nukes? Oh yeah, no, that's the thing that annoys me because he's like, oh, can we have the can we have the codes to the nukes? And he's just like, what do you need the codes to the nukes for? What the fuck do you think? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, his his um his reply is uh we can do or we can teach. It's your pleasure. It's just like I'm pretty, pretty sure your plan is not that complicated. You could have just said it instead of being a dick. It would have been the same amount of words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back at MSNBC, um, they draw straws for helicopter seats. Um, do Gray Scott get some lines where he just screams come on at Taylor Leone for a couple of times. Sure, he John McEnroe. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Taylor she gives up her seat but she doesn't say that instead for a moment she makes she gives it up to her friends and the kid but she does it in the most dickish way of making it seem for a split second like she's kidnapping the kid right right up until the actual helicopter no no I'm giving you my seat what's wrong with you crazy person why couldn't you have said that back in the thing you fucking dick you You didn't even need, need to go to the fucking roof you could just said, just take my seat, go. And then you would have saved you time doing whatever the fuck you're doing. Elijah Wood impossibly finds his friend wife um, in in the freeway. Yeah, with it, on his bike. And again, as as you said, like they take they do what the friend wife should have done. Like again, they say, "Oh, take the baby and like leave, go, leave us behind." And she actually does it this time. She could have saved so much fucking heartache if you just did it the first time around. But um, yeah. never mind. Um, well, I mean, the, the movie would have been slightly less interesting if they just ended up happy in the in the arc, which was unnecessary, as it turns out. The friend wife, the friend wife's family, her parents, are the most likable characters in this entire fucking film. Yeah. It's like, well done. you. T- then Even when they're not on the list, they're not like super dicks about it. They're just like, matter of fact, yeah, no, we're not on the list. Go. We understand, but like, and even when they're giving giving away the baby, they're like they're, they're being very stoic. And, no, you got to take the baby. You got you got to survive. And then once they've gone, they break down and cry about it. They don't want to show the weakness in front of yeah the door. Like yeah, fucking fair play to them. Yeah, no. So yeah, well done, Denise Crosby and that guy. Taylor only goes to the beach. I don't. I don't think that they they built up the uh, the relationship between Taylor and her father enough that this was actually a poignant moment at all. This moment, though, has uh, the best shot in the entire film in it. With the tidal wave. Yes. So, yeah, the impact, the deep impact, if you will. Um, did, it, did I did I come up, come up with that off the top of my head? No, had it written down. <laughs> this is where this film wins over Armageddon. Okay. The impact scene is fucking great. I fucking love this bit, and I can watch this over and over again until the end of the actual world. I will say, though, that the the, fir- the, the little asteroid that comes in his seat, I don't know why it flies in like this and then all of a sudden it goes, yeah. and like, does it look 90, 90 degrees to... <laughs> it takes a hard nose dive, right? Not sure why it does that. <laughs> Other than that, I'll t- I totally agree with you. By the way, uh, maybe you didn't know, but 50 miles just above the sea, sea level, the gravity gets really <laughs> fucking strong. But yeah, no, the impact, yes, you're right. It does take a hard nose dive right in the last second. It's like when I was watching it, I was like, is this going to, because I couldn't remember how the, the impact happened. I thought maybe it was going to keep going straight. It's going to glance and then carry on. And then the second one was going to do the destruction scene. Because I forgot that I forgot that they blew up the second one. The best shot is, yeah, when they're on the beach and it just, the sea rolls out. Yeah, it sucks it in and then... And there, it's just the pan up, so it's just those two on the beach, and then it pans up, 
and you see the wave and then it just keeps panning up and as the wave is just bigger and bigger and bigger and this fucking wall just comes straight at them i'd say that with, with the actual destruction that the tidal wave causes it seems like they they started off going yeah this is gonna fucking destroy this and then they very slowly go through but yeah it fucking hits the the, the statue of the but then they get bored of it and it seems to, it seems to speed up everything that destroys and, and then, then the buildings and then this happens and this happens. I do like it when it's going through New York. Everyone is everyone is running away. My favorite character in this entire fucking film outside Denise Crosby and her husband is um, the guy in New York who's just sitting reading the newspaper looking the other way. <laughs> it would have been even better if on that page was a picture of a tidal wave. <laughs> um the people on the highway are running away and everyone's fucking legging it for no good reason whatsoever. Fucking Denise Crosby and her husband take it like champs. They sit in the car. They don't even sit in the car. They stand outside the car and have a bit of a hug. Huh. Yeah, so all of this cool stuff happens and then it cuts back to the fucking astronauts. You mean the, the wonderful astronauts that we respect? They all get video messages. This scene takes fucking ages where they're getting video messages from their families. And quite frankly, who gives a shit? Well, I mean, if it was if it was a, a real situation, then I'm pretty sure that they, they would give a shit. Anyway, they die. They blow up. They destroy the comet. The plan works. I would have fucking laughed my ass off if they had blown up and then the comet just wasn't damaged. <laughs> <laughs> it just fucking killed everyone anyway. Um... The president gives a big, big speech outside um, a rebuilt Capitol building. Um, and Taylioni, and I'm sure a bunch of other fucking people, including um, friend wife's parents, didn't have to die? No. If they hadn't been on that road, if they'd just gone to the hills, like Frodo. Right, Denise Crosby and the husband, yeah, well, they were stuck like everyone else. But Taylioni... It was the main character mostly in this fucking film. She went to the she went to the beach thinking, oh well, there's two comets. The second one's gonna kill everyone, so I'll just get snuffed by the first one. Fuck it. Not knowing that the second one does get destroyed anyway. Yeah, and she would like didn't have to die. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff was destroyed, but a lot of buildings were still left standing. So she probably would have experienced a lot of shaking and not a very nice experience, but maybe she would have been okay just sitting there doing her newscast. Uh, the president, he says how far inland the um, the wave gets. It's quite far inland. The la I can't remember what landmark he says, but um, I did Google it afterwards. It's really, really far inland um, where this thing is. And where the Denise Crosby and her f husband is in the car, there's like a signpost that says this uh, a place like six miles away. They're super close to the sea. There's no fucking way that Elijah Wood on a dirt bike got like three states away. So yeah, credits. Yeah, I I do like this film. The thing is, I I quite like disaster movies in general. Mm. I mean, there are there are the few exceptions. 2012, which I slightly remember now. Yeah, the the over the over the over the top ones I don't like. Yeah, I mean these three ones that we've like. I think Greenland is the most human of them because it just focuses on that one family. Um, 
Which which one was your which one was your favorite? And you can I mean not from the perspective of a disaster movie, but just just as a movie in general, which was your favorite? I'm gonna say Greenland probably. Uh, that sucks. I was gonna say the same. I do like disaster movies, but maybe it's my old age that my opinion of like Armageddon and Deep Impact has swapped. Mm. Well, I I literally haven't watched either of those movies for like fifteen years, so. Apparently, my opinion, opinion swapped as well. I watched Armageddon with um, uh, the boy um, a couple of months ago, and I, it, I was just like an old man. There's too much noise and and sound. <laughs> Why is everything so loud? Why is it all shaking? Why didn't that lady put some clothes on? What are with all the flags? Do they need Do they need so many flags? So many fucking flags in that. Holy shit! Everyone's just standing in front of a flag for no reason. There's this bit where um, Liv Tyler, it just cuts to Liv Tyler standing in front of a flag for no good reason whatsoever. I don't know why they do it. That's the thing with these disaster movies. It's always the cast is too big, too wide scoped, and to the point where you don't really care about any of the characters. I think Deep Impact is on the verge of that. I, w- I will say that that's one thing I like. I that's the thing I liked about Armageddon was that you, at least you got a little bit of focus on some people. Or Independence Day, you got focus on uh, Will Smith and, but yeah, generally there's way too many characters. That's why Greenland was for me was one of the best ones. They really did focus on that one family. It would have been good if Greenland had kept it up because there is that bit in Greenland where they get to the house and then from the house onwards, it's just let's get to the bunker yeah but i mean that's that's a 70 percent of the movie in into like 70 percent into the movie right yeah i suppose so yeah and then it's just like a and then we did this 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 it's like it's like they they gave up they gave up on the, on the actual storylines these these storylines where in disaster films where you have like multiple characters all over the place if one of the if one or more of the characters you don't like Every time you cut back to it, you're like, oh, fuck, we're back with these cunts. In this film, it's the fucking astronauts. The astronauts can fuck off as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. They, they actually had no backstory whatsoever. They were just thrown into it and went, science talk, science talk, being a bit of a cunt, and then like a being kind of like a incompetent as well. Apart from ex- the explanation of what happens to the second comet, there's no reason for them to exist in this film. Well, I mean, if their first plan succeeded, then there's a very good reason for them to exist. But it didn't. But they didn't. Like, they didn't need to be in the film for their failures, because Taylor only told us about it because it was on the news. Okay, that, that's a very good point. They could have just been... Me- You're right, actually. They could have just been mentioned. Yeah. We have a, a, a space crew that's gone up, and they're going to dig holes and put nukes in. Oh, they failed. Apart from just the, apart from the re- the only reason they need to be in the film is to explain what happens to the second comet hmm. and why it doesn't hit the planet. That's their only fucking function that they have. Other than that, we could have just had the Robert Duvall having a cameo when he's being interviewed by the president. <laughs> that awkward fucking interview with the president at the beginning, and um. Uh, yeah, Taylioni fucking explaining shit. Do you think it would have been interesting if we if they had not been mentioned at all, other than from news uh, newscasting that, that there's a space team and that they failed this and they failed this, but you've not met the space crew at all and you're not explained about the comet, but then the comet randomly explodes? 
does I can't remember a bit might does the president when he's standing in front of the rebuilt Capitol building does he mention the astronauts I think he does right yeah so that I think I, it would have been quite interesting if they had not been in the movie at all yeah but they were they were referred to yeah and then at the end on the white the White House the yeah. Morgan Freeman could have explained you do see the explosion from Earth and you do see the debris of the thing. So yeah, from because Frodo, Frodo and his friend wife are looking at it from top of the mountain. So yeah, just be like, oh shit, we've just escaped that wave. Oh shit, the sky's on fire for some fucking reason. Yeah, it could have been like a Jesus Christ. Is this a miracle? We've survived. Has God saved us? And then Morgan Freeman get a no. That was the team of astronauts that failed many, many a time. Yes, and then finally got it right at the end. Yeah, So may maybe just having um them as uh news i i'm sure that you can edit this out <laughs> <laughs> it'll make it sure as well which would be good yeah it would make it sure oh they could have fo- do you know if they had taken that they would have been able to focus more on the storyline of the other characters yeah exactly as you've like like pad them out and make them more likable characters so more time with Leone and um elijah wood yeah oh fuck fucking astronauts in this film um so i did i did a little bit of googling you know this film is actually a based on something was it based on so apparently this was originally supposed to be a remake of a 1950s film called when worlds collide never heard of it it's like proper like old sci-fi film about um a, a rogue star is about to hit the earth and around that star there's another planet and the idea is that the scientists have to build a spaceship to get from Earth to the other planet before the star biffs it. Oh. Um, there's also there's also an Arthur C. Clarke book called Hammer of God, which Steven Spielberg wanted to make a film. Yeah. And that's about an asteroid um, hitting the Earth. And Steven Spielberg wanted to make a film version of it. Um, because this is one of the first films made by DreamWorks. This is one of the this is one of the first movies made by DreamWorks. One of the first films made by DreamWorks. So it was the f- early days of DreamWorks. So Spielberg wanted to uh, have a big project um, to do. So he wanted to direct this, uh, but he was busy doing Amistad at the time. Okay. So he was he was um, he was busy doing that. They would they were going to wait, but then they found out about Armageddon. They gave it to another director called Mimi Leader, and then they rushed this one out. So they wanted to compete with a, with an. Why why not just wait why not just wait a couple of years and then just make disaster movie without competition? Yeah, right, and have Steven Spielberg direct it. Yeah. Would that not have been a better idea? Yeah, maybe. Um so yeah, it was kind of like this amalgamation of these two different sources, this old fifties movie and an Arthur C. Clarke book. Um but the end product was so different from those two sources that they didn't put any accreditation on it. They just went, oh, it's, a, it's an original story now because it's so different. But in some of the marketing, they did mention the Arthur C. Clarke book. It's the Arthur C. Clarke book, The Hammer of Gods. Yeah. So they mentioned the Arthur C. Clarke book, but then in the film, it has no reference or accreditation to Arthur C. Clarke, which did slightly piss him off. Isn't he? he, he he's dead now, right? I believe so. I don't know what... It was either him or his estate that was pissed off, but someone was pissed off. Yeah, someone's always pissed off about stuff. Um, MSNBC is used in the film because it was a fairly new channel at the time. I was curious why they chose M- MSNBC, not like CNN. So CNN was in the script, apparently. 
but yeah, they didn't want to be involved. But MSNBC was a brand new channel. Well, it was just the the early merger of um, uh, Microsoft and MS, uh, MS, uh, NBC. So uh, they wanted to um, get a little bit more exposure. So they put the um, they let themselves be used in the film. But yeah, that's it. I I, I have nothing else to say about um, Deep Impact. Um, all right, um, that's it for this week. Um, Colin, where can people find you if you wish to be found? Um, I don't think that anyone wants to find me, and I agree with their with their position. But Colin ninety two is my Instagram number. That's about the only thing. Yeah, and I am on um, TBA underscore tweets uh, on Twitter and on TikTok and YouTube at the Badger's Apprentice. Um, Peace out. Bye-bye.